Good psychological day, everyone. Welcome back to the Encyclopedia podcast. If you haven't been able to recognize whose voice belongs to who yet, then you've got nothing to worry about. It's the five of us back at it again. I'm Benz. I'm Cassandra. I'm Gordon. I'm Jesslyn. And I'm Sarah. And today, we're jumping off the high of lovey-dovey feelings of butterflies in our tummies <laughs> straight into the deep, dark, abysmal pit of pain. <laughs> Roll the intro! <laughs> again i see you've made it past the intro i hope you're not too boring for you guys previously on the encyclopedia podcast you've gotten to know a bit of the podcasters experiences with love our relationships and our unrelationships our trials and our successes our love languages and our pet peeves and finally the loneliness and unloneliness of valentine's day unlonely isn't a word as we move on from the first episode, much like when we are moving on from an intimate relationship, we want nothing to do with anything of the sort, and things get miserably melancholy at first. So the first thing we will talk about is how do we deal with unwanted romantic attention? Anyone want to take this one? Okay, 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 okay. I would like to express the tragic story of my one-sided love, which actually has only been with my fictional characters in movies. <laughs> and I am pretty damn sure everyone understands my deepest pain. <laughs> For a brief moment, I envisioned you sinking down into the sea with Jack from Titanic. <laughs> I don't think that quite put. Unfortunately, I don't think that quite puts the picture, uh, puts in picture the idea of unrequited love and attention. Well, realistically, at least. No, you're not going to be... You're not sinking into an iceberg, damn it. So coming back to real life, <laughs> as what Ben said, love Jeez. can sometimes be unhealthy and regrettably unfortunate too. So if you can recall from our last episode, we talked about that gushy feeling we had in our stomachs when we saw someone we liked. Ooh-hoo. But when, ha- <laughs> when what happens when that goes a little uh, hopeless, you know? Unrequited love, as sad as it is, is when someone loves a person so much to the point where the other feels arguably disturbed to quote if you love a person let her go that does not apply here and at the same at and at some point it becomes ultimately unbearable so how do we deal with this whether you're the lover or the loved Mm -hmm. well as the lover it's normal to experience pain grief confusion and even anger but it's important not to direct those feelings at the person who's rejected you. Unless the other person had intentionally led you on, he or she may not have been able to help having platonic affections for you, and they're simply being honest about it. But then of course, dealing with these emotions are a lot easier said than done. So a tip for whenever you're feeling overwhelmed with a certain emotion, whether it's grief, anger, or frustration, it's helpful to try and cognitively reappraise the situation. Or in other words, to try and assess the situation in a different light or perspective. Perhaps it may help to see that while they do not feel the same for you, all is not lost. And at the end of the day, you still end up with a good friendship. And if you're one to enjoy journaling, then it would help to regulate your emotions through expressive writing. So you could simply write about your experience, how you're feeling, why do you think those emotions arise, and really just let it flow. 
By writing about your emotions, you're contextualizing it, which gives you a better sense of the situation, the circumstances, and events that lead you to experience the emotions that you do. Now, whether we realize it or not, when we write, we reappraise our emotional experiences and more openly accommodate for the possible reasons which could lead to why we feel the way we do. Yeah, and on another note, if you're feeling super worried about losing your friendship with that particular person when you've already been rejected, well, research suggests that friends who continue to talk and see each other are more likely to remain friends than those who stay away from each other. So if if you'd like to perceive that friendship, avoiding the person would not be the way to go at all. That said, of course, if you find it hard to be around that person still, then perhaps it may help to interact with him or her in a group settings rather than one-on-one. And if you're struggling to get over the rejection after an extended period of time, it could then be the best to draw back from the friendship while you heal. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. Mm. Yeah, it can be really hard to be in a position of rejection. But sometimes, I think it can be even harder to be the person doing the rejecting. I personally have never had to reject someone, at least not to their face. It's relatively well known amongst friends that I'm not looking for any kind of romance. There were a couple of times though, where a mutual friend would tell me about another person having feelings for me, and after that, I'll find it quite difficult to interact with them. In one case, I ended up cutting ties with him almost permanently even though we had been quite close and affectionate with each other, and he had never even made any indication of his romantic feelings. Part of it is due to incident with another friend, and part of it is due to guilt and fear. I worried so much about doing stuff that I let him on, or the possibility of rejecting him, that I just kind of just stopped doing stuff altogether. And yeah, looking back on it, I, I definitely could have handled that better. Instead of running away from the problem, I should have stayed and tried to fall the awkwardness, tried to handle his feelings mm-hmm. with kind but firm insistence and continue being friends. And if I needed to, I should have had a talk with him and reassured him that we always be friends. Yeah. He's he's doing great now, actually. He's got a boyfriend and we're friends again. But I just don't know if you'll ever be back to what we were. Oh, Gosh. Yeah, but thanks, Sarah. You got game. (laughs) 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 I got game too, but the experience was game over for me. (laughs) I won't go into too much details, but one of the things that I got wrong about pursuing someone was how I wasn't living for myself at all. And at the heart of a lot of things I did, it was mostly extrinsically motivated. And there was very little thing, very little motivations that came from inside of me in the things that I did. And when all was said and done, when it was game over, I had a lot to work on myself. And although I wouldn't call it rejection, I believe that how I dealt with it could be used in the same way. And that is being mindful. Shout out to Dr. Eugene about this <laughs> last semester in his positive side class. And in his words, he said, our minds tend to have the tendency to wander, to be out of sync with the present and either rooted in the past or the future. Much of our lives is spent unaware of the significance of our experiences and emotions. Oh my god, it's like a bag in this class. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Dr. Eugenie, if you're listening. But anyway, the majority of our lives are spent mind-wandering, where we don't 
pay attention to what's happening around us, but rather our mind is thinking about things of the future, of the past, reminiscing. And there is good that comes out of it. Taking that imaginative stance, it helps us to structure out our hours, days, weeks, or even months to come. And it allows us to have more creative freedom, gives us more opportunity to work on what we're executing. Like us planning for this podcast, for example. There's a part that's scripted and there are parts that are ad-lib. You never know which one's which. <laughs> but that is not mindfulness. Mindfulness is a way of perceiving and being attentive to and focusing on what is happening around you right now. Things like uh, the way food food feels in your mouth, how your shoulders are already tense, and when you are, when you wake up in the morning, what is the first physiological response that your body does? Heart palpitations? Mindfulness is really wide. And one of the approaches of mindfulness is having a non-judgmental stance. And this non-judgmental approach towards rejection means that when you come across and experience thoughts and feelings of being rejected, you are able to just let it be, let it pass by without taking part in any self-deprecation, depreciation, and thus stopping unnecessary, unpleasant feelings. Because although rejection is painful, it is the dread and, and the why did this happen to me instances mm-hmm. that amplifies one's suffering. You've already been rejected by someone, so don't let you be rejected by you too. Mm-hmm. And studies have shown that taking this stance is... It has a positive effect on reducing the impact of rejection, especially to those who are more sensitive towards rejection. And we all feel. So just be human. It's not wrong to feel. Just feel. Mm-hmm. Definitely agree with you over that, Ben. But let's say you're new to having this non-judgmental approach. So how would you then cultivate this awareness, right? So step one would be having a space for yourself where you can sit with your thoughts and sensations and really just practice watching them go by without reacting to them. And the key here is not to ruminate or mull. Yeah, exactly. Now, we all have stumbled across those unbearably embarrassing memories during our deep Mm -hmm. thought mode in the middle of the night and ended up squirming in our bed filled with regret and secondhand (laughs) embarrassment from our past self. Stop exposing us. (laughs) (laughs) Whoopsie. But one common exercise that you can do when this happens is to appreciate and accept those pings of regrets and shame and just giving yourself space to be human. I mean, we're all human. We deserve that space. Soon, you'll find that when you come across those unpleasant emotions again, you'll discern them with acceptance rather than judgment. For both sides, I figure that uh, it's important to just self-reflect and move on from this experience. For the rejected, how has this person's presence really been affecting you? Have you been dismissing everything and everyone around you for this one person? Did you really want this person to play a role in your future Or did you just want them in the tentative present to feel a little less lonely? As hard-hitting these questions are, we encourage you to try to treat the rejection as a good wake-up call. Acknowledge that mistake and know how to approach a situation like this in future with better care. If he or she is worth it, you'll know. And as for the rejecter, don't beat yourself over it either. Don't beat yourself up over it. You have your own boundaries too. Mm. And admittedly, things might not turn out so well even if it had run uh, any if it had run any deeper. Yeah. About that. What if it did run deeper than a crush? What if you got past the initial stage, got accepted, went out, posted happy couple pictures on Instagram, then 
the two of you got together and decided that it wouldn't work out. Um, yeah. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That hit hard. Mm, yeah. After a breakup, everything can hurt and everything is pain. Like, you'll go to a mall and then you'll see a video game store and you'll be like, I used to play games together and my significant other. Same as everybody. <laughs> 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 no comment. <laughs> yeah, and then you'll find yourself like binging five different Korean dramas in the span of two days, and you text your friends so much that they get sick of you, and your need for tissues. And <laughs> yeah, you get the idea, right? Like everything yeah. will remind you of the person that you love. So how do you live now? How do you survive? And yeah, like this might seem a little dramatic, but like if you feel this way after a breakup, that is completely understandable, and I, and I relate because breakups suck. The emotional pain of like splitting away from someone they've been close to for a while, it actually uses the same neural mechanisms as experiencing physical pain. So when someone says that a breakup feels like a slap on the face, they're really not exaggerating. Period. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but. Things do get better. I saw a metaphor for grief once, and I think it really applies to breakups too. And it goes something like this. Grief is a giant red button, and you're a tiny ball trapped in a box with that button. And you bounce around, and you're trapped in a box. And the button is so big, that you can't help hit the button over and over. And it hurts, like, a lot. But over time, the box gets bigger, and you hit the button less and less. And sometimes on a really bad day, you hit the button a few times by accident and it'll hurt. But the grief lessens and eventually you move on. And I know this is like a super cliche saying, but time really does heal all wounds. Yeah. Oh, Sarah, you poor soul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but in all seriousness, breakups can leave us crushed. And feeling helpless or having hatred towards the cruel world and how unfair its circumstances can be. But by taking the proper steps, we can rest assured knowing that these unpleasant feelings are not indefinite. Yeah, absolutely. It does leave us shattered, to be honest. That certain people might not be able to accept that such a thing could ever happen to them. But you know, they have. A, as the saying goes, actually, everything happens for a reason. And... Given this, given the situation, I would, I personally would feel unworthy as well. And despite that, I always thought to myself that maybe it ended for me because there's something better for me mm-hmm. in the future, you know. And of course, it's not necessarily true, but you gotta think about yourself too, right? Like, mm-hmm. I would say you would never heal if you keep thinking about what has broken you in the first place, you know. You gotta do it for you. If not for anyone else, you. And another saying, pain makes you stronger, fear makes you braver, heartbreak makes you wiser, mate. And with wisdom comes discernment. Yeah. If only I had that (laughs) wisdom years ago. Maybe it would have been a little easier to tell the difference between liking a face and liking a soul. (laughs) Who hurt you, mate? (laughs) Boy. No, 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 no. I mean, like, like, if you think about it, right, not everyone sees someone for who they are before first looking at what they are in terms of <coughs> measurements. <laughs> but that's not all of us. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's not all of us, but it's a lot of us. Science, 
says that despite the many differences we have between love and lust, it's still consistently confused upon. And that can lead to relationships that are meaningless, empty, and unfortunately, plain toxic. Oh. I mean, just look, just take <laughs> a look at Sternberg's Triangular Theory of Attraction. Shout out to Dr. Dito. We know that there are a whole <laughs> slew of ways to define love. And if we're looking specifically at the toxic kind, uh, that would be pure lust, which counts as pure passionate love. Nothing else. Purely bonkable physical <laughs> horniness. Cass? No horny. What? <laughs> Ow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's gonna leave a mark. Much love, mate. Now coming back to non-horny love, love on its own, okay, the ideal version of it at least. It's one that balances all three elements, which is intimacy, com- which is companionship, commitment, which is essentially effort, and passion, which is all the horny stuff. That forms that rare <laughs> perfect love known as consummate love. Yes, I can vouch on that. Also, having a balance between them both is important as well because if you keep lust and love in bounds, it will strengthen your relationship beyond understanding. You will be so deeply in love with your spouse that during a term of life together will not be hard, uh, not be a hard thing to ask. Actually, it will be rewarding along the way. Your struggles will look easy to others and feel easy on you because true love is just that powerful. Oh. Well said. I'd like to add that sometimes relationships do not have to include lust at all, and love shouldn't be toxic true, but neither does it have to follow predetermined social norms. Everyone should be able to structure their relationship in a way that makes them happy, and if sex isn't something that they enjoy or want to do, then there's no need for that. Yeah, that's that's also true. I agree on agree with you, Sarah. Having said that, lust is also just a temporary sexual desire between two individuals anyways. But, however, love is a force that pulls two individuals together as one. But wait, hold that thought. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, I just have a spark of light that hit my thoughts that say, maybe, what if people use lust as a force of getting attached to someone? Oh. Do you think that's even possible? Maybe, right? But... Anyways, something to think about another time, but let's scratch that right now. See, attachment is an emotion, emotional bond formed with another person, but at certain times, people tend to get too attached really fast. Like, sometimes it confuses us if it's just attachment or love attachment or what is it? Like, what do you guys think? Hmm, well, studies show that the answer to that stems from our earliest relationships with our parents, actually. So this child-parent relationship can result in us having different adult attachment styles, which of course influences the way we interact with our romantic partner. Um, so I think there are four types of attachment styles in total, um, namely the secure attachment, anxious preoccupied attachment, dismissing avoidant attachment, and lastly the fearful avoidant attachment. But to explain why some people are so-called clingier or more deeply attached than others, we'll be discussing more about the anxious preoccupied attachment. So ideally, people with secure attachment are able to feel safe and connected in their romantic relationships while allowing for their partner to move freely. So they would support one another 
um, whenever um, e- either one of them feels distressed. And the relationship here tends to be honest, open and equal, and both people just feel independent, but they're still loving towards one another. When it comes to the anxious attachment, however, this sort of attachment can make one desperate to form somewhat like a a fantasy bond. So people with this attachment style frequently look for their partner to complete them or to rescue them. And the odd thing is, while they're seeking a sense of safety and security by clinging on to their partner, they sometimes act in ways which pushes their partner away. So for instance, um, say, whenever a person with anxious attachment feels insecure about the relationship, maybe they're not really sure about their partner's feelings or they just feel unsafe. So they could resort to being excessively clingy, demanding, and sometimes even possessive over their partners, which ultimately could backfire, pushing their partners further away. Well said, mate. I recall a time when I was head over heels over someone who had an anxious attachment style. She'd be worried of every single detail that felt suspicious, and yet not be able to vocalize certain issues and problems between us. I'll always remember this one time when I lent my hoodie to a few of my college mates to brave the rain. There was an extremely heavy downpour that that day, and we were trying to get back to the main campus block, but the roads were flooded and I only had a tiny umbrella and a hoodie with me. So I used the umbrella for myself, and I passed the hoodie over to my, fe- to my uh, three female friends. When I told my then partner about this, she shut me off for a whole day, claiming that the hoodie was, quote-unquote, an important item in our relationship that must not be shared. As confused as I was attempting to explain myself, she was still extremely upset. Admittedly, it left a big dent in our relationship that even to this day, I couldn't quite address even after I broke up. Mm -hmm. So suffice to say, uh, attachment styles can be detrimental to a relationship. As great as how two people may seem together, once once you boil it down to basics, that may not always be the case. Love doesn't mean compatibility. People who are meant to be have many more conditions to satisfy than just falling in love at first sight. Mm-hmm, yeah, <laughs> I think I can personally watch for this. So there is someone whom I care very much for and was together with in the past before we eventually parted ways. So yeah, we both deeply cared for each other, but we somehow just had a knack for getting into many, many fights and heated arguments with one another. It was actually a little sad because um, we knew we had our differences and we both generally wanted to work things out but to no avail despite months and years of trying to patch things up. In fact, over time, with us trying so hard to make the relationship work, it slowly became toxic and was actually hurting us more in the process than helping us. It drove whatever connection we initially had to fall apart and, well, we progressively just became more and more distant from one another. So I guess it is true, you know, that... While you may love someone very, very much and care for them very deeply, sometimes two puzzle pieces that just don't belong together can't be forced, no matter how hard you try. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we're, we're a lot better today as friends, you know, and we find our friendship to be a much healthier union than what we had as a couple. That is very, very fair. Yeah. Same hat, actually. Um <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I had an ex and I won't go into detail about that, but 
There were certain hang-ups that we both had about being in a romantic relationship that we never even knew existed. And then, miscommunication built upon miscommunication. And before I knew it, it was over. Mm. Yeah. But that's alright. We we met again a few months later and we rebuilt our relationship on the ground up. This time platonically. Now we're besties and we know each other in a way that we never did as partners. We are compatible, just not romantically. And that's okay. Alright. So, <laughs> since we've come this far, yeah, sharing all our deep stories and stuff, I, I guess we might as well ask a deep question. Is love an emotion or is it an action? Well, if you think about it, love is fundamentally a cocktail of chemicals in our brain that puny humans like us pursue in the name of fictional bliss. (laughs) We're so drawn in with the idea of love that we tend to neglect anything and everything around us just to attain it. As if it's the ultimate drug that every average nimble mind craves. We're also easily manipulated with the idea of love and yet, at some point, everyone falls into that pit. My goodness. Calm down, Eeyore. <laughs> well, as I listen to all the sadness being thrown into the pit, I'd like to present a riddle. Mm. Bring it. I can break. <laughs> I can be clogged. I can be attacked. I can be given. I can be kept. I can be crushed. Yet, I can be a whole at the same time. So what am I? A heart. Ooh. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I thought yeah. it would be sad. <laughs> oh my goodness. Struck like a lightning in it. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, on, on behalf of all of us here, we're, we're, we're sorry for bombarding you with our heart-wrenching theories and sad stories. <laughs> and although we are ending on quite a sad note, we hope that amidst of all these sorrowful things that we've said in this podcast that you still learn something and enjoyed listening to our suffering. That's suffering with four exclamation marks. <laughs> Yay! So, thank you. Stay safe, everyone. And see you guys in the next episode. Bye! Bye. And now, to redeem myself and lighten up the mood, let's tell pickup lines. Hoo-hoo-hoo! <laughs> oh, oh, okay, I've got one. I've got one. It's, it's so bad, though. Like, it's really standard. Okay. Did it hurt when you fell from heaven? Because you're an angel. Hey. What? <laughs> <laughs> I got one. But I, I gotta put on my pickup line voice. <clears throat> Check it out. Girl, you must be mixed. I can tell. You're half Asian, half angel. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) transformed in it. But wait, wait, wait. Here comes mine. Are you an overdue book? Because you look fine. (laughs) 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 Oh my god, I can't take this. (laughs) Okay, enough of your cheesy ones. Let's give a wholesome one. I love rainy days because I can be your umbrella. Aww. Aww. <laughs> alright, alright. I'll hit you on with one better, different language. Malay. I did, you Malay ke? Sebab you bought my eye leo Malele. I have a better one, I have a better one. Are you a bank loan? 
Because you have my interest. Mm. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's that's kind of good. That has actually got my interest. <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. Wait, I I got a pandemic one. I got a pandemic one. You can't tell quarantine without you are a cutie, bruh. <laughs> oh, cute. I got one too. Back to English though. <laughs> I gotta put on the voice back. I gotta put on the voice back. Girl, all the mega pictures in the world couldn't capture what you mean to me, girl. <laughs> Get this man a girlfriend now. Oh, okay. Mm, wait, I just thought of one. Okay, are you my appendix? I don't know how it works, but the feeling in my stomach makes me want to take you out. <laughs> no, Sarah, no. <laughs> I could not resist. No. Okay, okay. Mine is another one related to books, but here we go. All right. Since all the libraries are closed, can I check you out? Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I am lost. Can I get a direction to your heart? You're so cheesy. What's up with the cringe tonight, guys? <laughs> Let's get Great. it all. Last one for me. Cringy mood. Can I follow you home? Because my parents always told me to follow my dreams. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh my God. That's, that's... Okay, too much in it. All right. Um, let's see. Ah, okay. Are you the telur to my roti? Because without you, I go song. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's so good. good. That's, that's so good. good. All right. I think that's. I think that's it from all of us. We'll see you. We'll see you next next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.